They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside. And Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello, I'm Ian Shepherd, and you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. Joining me this evening are Steve Tancock of somersetnorth.co.uk, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. We're recording this the day after Somerset have completed a 10-wicket win over Hampshire down at the Aegeus Bowl. After winning the toss on Thursday morning, Tom Abel had no hesitation in asking his opposite number, James Vince, to have a bat first, and his decision was vindicated as they were shot out for just 79 midway through the afternoon session on the first day. In reply, Somerset making 336 all out. Craig Overton again catching the eye with a top score of 74. However, it was to be a much sterner test trying to bowl the home team out second time around. In fact, it took 131 overs before Josh Davey took the last wicket of Mohamed Abbas. He finished with five wickets in that second innings, as did Craig Overton, who had took seven in the match. There was a little bit of concern that we might not be able to get back out on the pitch to uh, negotiate that tricky run chase of two. Certain Mr Alex Wharf, who has uh, not endeared himself to Somerset fans after his performance in the county championship decider at Taunton a couple of years ago, seemed determined to be waving his light metre around as much as he could. But we did get out in the end and the target of two was reached off just one ball. Eddie Byram flicking one off the hip to seal a 10-wicket victory, which put Somerset second in Group 2. Steve, it was a Herculean effort from both Hampshire's batsmen and Somerset's bowlers on that final day. Yeah, it was, It was, wasn't it? It was proper county championship red ball cricket. And I know you could probably say, having won, we can say that, but it was gripping every ball yesterday was just fascinating I thought it ebbed and flowed beautifully you thought at lunch just after lunch when Vince was out that's it we're through them now and then come tea time Barker and um, Barker and Felix Organ was still there I've got to say I, I want to give Felix Organ special mention because anyone who can make Joe Weatherly look like he was playing the T20 game yesterday as some was it seven off 108 balls i think dan something like yeah, that yeah that was that sounds right yeah <sighs> which it, it doesn't glacial doesn't even do it justice <laughs> does it but you know fair play to them they the Ham, poor old kevin james and hampshire supporters I do feel a little bit sorry for them because gloucestershire did it the other way to them a couple of weeks ago and then they couldn't repeat it yesterday but no great great stuff and yet again the most underrated bowler in Canada cricket Josh Davey was immense yesterday I think was his career average now 21 in the championship it's just phenomenal yeah fivers for him um fivers for Davey and Craig Overton in that that second innings Anthony did you think we were going to do it or were you uh were you starting to have flashbacks to all the various nightmares that we've had in the uh, the Aegeus Bowl over the years 2019 the championship back in that and Keith Barker together it was looking very difficult. Um, Craig Overton, you know, been off the field to have his big toes seen to, and, and he was getting tired. Jack Leach wasn't getting anything very much out of the pitch. Lewis Gregory wasn't quite at his best. Josh Davey was really our last throw of the dice, and and uh, the last couple of wickets, the Felix Organ wicket in particular, almost came out of the blue because he looked so secure. Brilliant catch brilliant catch by uh, by Craig Overton at, at, at second slip 
and then thank goodness <laughs> after after having an absolutely rock solid LBW decision against Mohammed Abbas turned down off the fifth ball of his over he got him on the sixth uh, because if he hadn't it would have been another over um, being bowled to Keith Barker who looked pretty much in, impregnable they might have got a single which would have put Barker up the other end that could have been two more overs and less than 10 minutes after they came off um, after Somerset's after Eddie Byron had scored the winning runs it started to rain so you know and, and it's continued to rain so if, if you know there was that narrowest of windows of opportunity which was almost closed off by the bad light as well so in the end we got there by the skin of our teeth in the nick of time um, Hampshire battled really really well um, but Somerset's the Somerset bowlers stuck to their guns and the difference between uh, this game and the Gloucester Hampshire one was that the pitch did, didn't go dead you know it was still it was still doing a bit there was still something in it for the uh, for the quicker bowlers a little bit of turn for for Jack Leach as well so there was always hope but I have to say towards <laughs> towards the end after tea you know the the, the level of hope was um, was going down rather rather fast, but we got there in the end. We Great. did indeed. Were, were you faltering down, or were you keeping the faith? Yeah, I couldn't help the hope ebbing away slowly, and you know, I keep um, I can't stop thinking about Alex Wolf or whoever it was. Maybe it was the other umpire with the light meter. And what if he'd taken us off at that point? It would have just been heart wrenching, and social media would have exploded, and we'd have all felt so low today. And it is, I'm glad that we didn't actually, well, I think, I know the rain did get briefly mentioned on the commentary, but I don't know, I put it to the back of my mind. I'm, I'm glad we didn't know that we were 10 minutes away from uh, not completing the win because, you know, it, it, that would have made it so much more tense. Now, it felt like we had a bit of time, even though we knew the bad light was coming. But yeah, as, you know, as over started to pass after tea, it did get, you know, the, the, the worry was rising. And I was thinking about that game um, against Warwickshire in 2013, where we uh, didn't enforce a follow-on at home. And it was Hannah Dalby and Ricky Clark at the end who um, saw off, you know, saw out the last hour. Yeah. Um, Hannah Dalby that could be heard all over Taunton off Jamie. Yeah, over. I know. I was sat in the um, <laughs> cinema seats in the old pavilion and saw that Nick beautifully. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, the wicket, as you say, came out of the blue. And, um, yeah, it was just pure relief because I think once we got that one, I knew that hopefully it wouldn't be long to get Abbas because I knew Abbas wasn't isn't much of a batsman really. So yeah, yeah, it, and then obviously even then, once we you know once we had them all out, you know, I was there was still the nerves of you know will we get a chance to get those two runs? Thank God we did. I I said in my blog post last night, Anthony mentioning comms. I think it was in the morning that one of a Somerset fan had gone out and hung the washing out and got the two wickets in mid-morning <laughs> and my my dear wife got to the point where she said why don't you do the ironing and uh, honestly it was five minutes after I started the ironing that we got the wicket so I think a combination of Debbie and me ironing the shirts was was as much of a contributory factor as anything I'd like to think so anyway but it was one of those days where you just anything you could have done to make a wicket fall you would have done wouldn't you it was oh. I'm going to have to hold my hands up, guys, because I had a completely random Sunday. I had to go into Plymouth to get my um, COVID jab, so we combined that with a, a day of shopping and briefly watching a bit of the a bit of the game while I was sat on a on a nice bit of 
grouse eating a KFC with my little boy, but um, I did watch it all on the way home, and I think we got the... Uh, who was the wicket before uh, the big partnership of Organ? Who was that? I think it was... Yeah, McManus. The, the, the McManus wicket. Cheaty McCheat face. Yeah, so that was just as we were leaving Plymouth, and then... Yeah, Organ and Barker were still batting when we got back to Newton Abbott, so I was uh, slightly <laughs> fearing the worst. But I have to say, I did the shade of white that I turned when I read your tweet, Anthony, about us dodging the rain by 10 minutes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like when you when you see a news about a pileup on the road that you just drove through five minutes before the accident happened. It's oh, just blessed relief. But it is nice to feel things going our, our way as Somerset fans for once. Yeah. Uh, so the Group 2 table then, Gloucester top with 95, Somerset second on 82, Hampshire 62, Surrey 59, Middlesex 41 and Leicester with 40. Uh, all the teams in Group 2 have played two games, we've not had a had a bye yet in that particular group. It's nice to be in the top two with no eight point deduction keeping us out of that top two. But Hampshire have just completely fallen away. I remember sitting here three weeks ago thinking that who's going to be going up with Hampshire and they've just had two absolutely terrible results. And oh, I say it's a narrow, it feels like a narrow loss, a, a 10 wicket. Uh, we beat them by 10 wickets. It shouldn't have felt like a narrow win. Um, but who do we think is going to go up from our group in those two slots then? Well, I think so. this week's interesting because Middlesex have got Hampshire and we've got Surrey. And if Hampshire and Somerset can win it sort of makes it a three-horse race in that group, by my read. It's going to be very hard for Surrey to claw that gap back. I I don't think Hampshire, having said I thought they were overperforming at the start of the season, I don't think they can have a run like this much longer. So I would expect them to come back into it. It it just means the game, our game in Bristol is triply huge now. A, for the group, but B, if Gloucester go through and we don't get a win that would put us at a real disadvantage in Division 1 come September. But I just I just get the feeling that Gloucester might revert to their mean a bit, which will do us a favour. I think a couple of weeks ago, we were all saying that the Hampshire game against Gloucestershire at Southampton, how did we want the result to go? And at that time, I was quite happy that Gloucester got the draw. Now, if I could reverse it, I'd take the Hampshire win on that one. But that was because, as you said, Ian, at the time, Hampshire looked like they were going to run away with it. And I sort of wanted them to come back towards us. I I, I know I talked everything through maroon and black spectacles, but I still think we could, we'll win this group. I really do. And that's leaving aside the Craig Overton's going to go into the England bubble and all other things. I think we're we're where we are without being at our best, and the others are where they are having perhaps overperformed slightly. I'm not too worried about Craig Overton going into the England bubble if he takes James Bracey with him. I'm probably be just about happy with that okay me too <clears throat> me too he's very good James Bracey should mm. be in the England mm. team but um, yeah I mean Hampshire Hampshire will beat Middlesex I'll tell, you know unless unless they get really bad luck with the toss again as they you know as they got against Surrey and they got against us um, and losing the toss and being put in on a dodgy wicket at the Oval and being put in on a dodgy wicket at uh, GS Bowl. They're still a they're still a good side, Hampshire. Not not to be underrated, but you know Surrey are the sleeping giants. Really, I don't mm. know who's going to be in their side for the for the game against uh, against us starting on uh, Thursday. Whether they got their IPL contingent uh, back again, but they, you know they could be could be very strong. The weather forecast isn't great either. 
for our game against against Surrey. So that you know could possibly be a draw. But the big one, as as Steve says, is is the Gloucesters. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the Gloucesters have a decent leave uh, lead, rather, um, I think they'll prepare a pretty flat pitch at uh, at Neville Road, and you know be quite happy for a, a high scoring draw against us. You know, if they're, if well, they they could be in second, Anthony, because they don't play in this round. Yeah. So we 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 pick up fourteen points. We'll go above them. They're very hard to beat at Bristol. Mm. We mm-hmm. have to you know, <laughs> seasons in in T Twenty and and fifty over cricket. So I'm not taking anything for granted. Um, no. And our batting is still pretty fragile. Um, if we if we can get through the next uh, series of three games, still in the top two, then we've got Devon Conway, the New Zealander, joining us for the last two games against Surrey and, and Leicester, and I think he could make a big difference to the solidity of the of the batting. So I don't know. We we ought we ought to qualify. We're good enough to qualify, but. You know the the batting has got to develop a rather stronger backbone than it's had thus far. Admittedly, on difficult pitches, you know, but um, doesn't that I'm mean sure. fifteen for two every week? Exactly. You know, poor old James Hilder is coming in inside the first first ten over. You know, game after game after game, and, and he tries to counter attack, and it's not it's not working at the moment. Tom Abel's batting really well, but his innings on. Whenever it was Thursday afternoon, that that was terrific because it was almost as difficult that afternoon as it had been for Hampshire in the morning, and that and you know and he was in inside two overs as 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 per usual with the move all moving around and Hamid Abbas at one end and Kyle Abbott at the other two two of the best seam bowlers in, in the country, and he batted really really well. He left he left it well. And and of course he showed the Hampshire batsmen how to play and, and they they took a leaf out of his book in the second in the second innings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, we, he, our guys he, seemed to start batting on off stump just about halfway through that second session on the first day, yeah. and I think that and then all the Hampshire guys batted <laughs> batting on off stump uh, all through their innings. So I think that's possibly one of the reasons why they they batted slightly better and managed to last 130 overs. Anthony, you you were talking about Tom Abel, and I've got a question for you. You said, um, rough quote, that he still hasn't quite fulfilled his schoolboy potential. So, yeah. what what in your mind does he have to do to fulfil that potential? Turn more fifties into hundreds, into hundreds. I think I, Dan will correct me, but I, I think he scored seven centuries in his first class career and twenty five fifties. Which means that eighteen times he's he's um, no sorry twenty five times he's he's reached fifty and not gone on to score a hundred, which you know is a, is a poor conversion rate. I don't know why that, okay. but if he could convert more of more of his fifty pluses into centuries, he would be you know be up there in. I've always seen him as an England prospect as an opening batsman. I think you know he's he's got he's got the technique. He's classically trained. He can he can play the moving ball, unlike most of most of the other Somerset top order. Um, but I, I don't I don't know what it is. But he just needs to just go up that little extra notch and turn turn the sixties and seventies and eighties into hundreds and hundred and fifties and hundred and seventy fives for me. I think 
I think Thursday's selection of Eddie Byram coming in to open the batting is as clear an indication as we're going to get that Tom Abel just does not want to open the batting come hell or high water. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, sadly, but um, he might just as well be opening the batting. Yeah, well, he's coming in the fifth over. The, you know, if he's coming, well, he's in coming fifth, in the second fifth, over. Yeah, yeah, second over. <laughs> There it is. And just to add to that as well, it's, it's about having a big season, I think, as well, an eye-catching season, um, so that he's noticed by the England selectors. He's had lots of sort of reasonable seasons. He just needs that sort of thousand run or one thousand two hundred run season that has sort of three, four, five centuries. I think he's sort of always threatened that, but he's, and we know he's so talented, but he's never quite reached that mark. Um, and by the way, it's twenty-seven fifties, in fact, rather than twenty-five. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's averaging in the low thirties. He should be averaging in the low forties. Mm. You know, that's where that's where he's got to be. That's where he's good enough to be. But it, he's not helped by the by Somerset's problems with um, opening batsmen because this isn't a new problem. You know, in the last couple of seasons, old Banger wasn't was pretty vulnerable um, early on, and Eddie Byram, you know, has, has been tried out since twenty seventeen. And I still don't think lovely bloke though he is, and I do so desperately want to see him succeed. But I don't think he's the answer to our opening batting problems. He looked horribly fragile against uh, against Hampshire, as indeed did Tom Lamanby, who who seems to be suffering from a. Um, so, uh, he's, he's almost too confident in the way he, way he goes out there and, and starts playing at the ball. And I don't know. I think it's a mindset thing. I think, isn't it? To some yeah. extent, he just he needs to just try and think back to how he got those runs last year and not overthink it. You know, that's probably possibly that's what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, I think so. Where do we think Tom Banton is in his career now? Because there is a second eleven game up at Middlesex going on at the moment. Um, Tom's not in the squad for that one. It's difficult to see how he, after being left out for this, the Hampshire game, that he's going to come back in for Surrey on Thursday. Um, Dan, do you think he might be just taking a, a break from cricket for a week? Yeah, but he doesn't act. There aren't any other four-day second eleven games for a while after this week. So, if he wanted some rest for practice, this was really, I think, his last chance. Um, I, I'm assuming I've got this right. Uh, we don't have a second eleven Red Bull game until the 28th of June, which is the week before our final two um, rounds of the, our final two matches of this round of the championship. You know, but by then we've got Conway, which sort of adds another batting option and puts him sort of further down the pecking order. So it may be that we won't even see him play Red Bull again this season. Um, you never know come September what the situation will be. But I think he's probably, I mean, I know, you never know, he may make it as a Red Bull opener, but it just feels like if he returns, when he returns, hopefully, at some point next season, or when he does return, whenever, it will be in the middle order, I think, rather than the uh, rather than the top order. Because he can do it there, and he showed it a couple of years ago. I really want, you know, we'd all love him to succeed in, in, in uh, Red Bull cricket. We would. Steve, do we do, do we know where he is now as, as a Red Bull batsman? Is it? Do you think he'll... He can, Lewis Goldsworthy's kind of taken the spot that would have been his if we'd gone with the six bowlers, keeper, three seamers, and a spinner uh, makeup of the side. So is is he in more of a, a wilderness now than he was at the start of April? No, I don't. I don't think so because I don't believe that the management at the club would have just done that to him. I think there'll be a plan. Um, he didn't open when he batted in the second innings for the seconds last week. 
which sort of to me indicates that he's not going to open you know if, he, if it was you've got to get your place back at the top of order he would have opened for the seconds at Taunton Cricket Club on some, on Thursday or Wednesday whenever it was I I still see he's very young relatively and I, a lot of people have said to me and I tend to agree with this that I think he is a long term number four and Anthony said you know that Hildy likes to play counter attacking innings he's now, Hildreth coming in when we're 110 for two, as he used to in a book I've been reading this week, which is the, the Five Runners Up Seasons book, um, and the number of times Hildreth came in and got 102 off 84 balls or you know something like that and batted with a lot of freedom. And I think Banton is the natural person in the course of time to come in there. Uh, I think Dan, I don't know if you saw, he played for his club side yesterday um, which is great you know I want to see him playing cricket I think now they are going to go into full gear him up for white ball mode and say you know we'll we'll look at this again later in the season and as Anthony said with Devon Conway coming in uh, I think it's a losing battle I actually feel a little bit sorry for Eddie Byram though because presumably he's come in in a well you're the next cab off the rank but only until Devon Conway arrives mm. unless of course Eddie Byron gets runs and Tom Lamondby's form doesn't improve and then that changes the dynamic as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we have um, Surrey coming up on Thursday at the Cooper Associates County Ground. The long-awaited clashes upon us, Overton versus Overton. That's assuming that Jamie is selected and Craig isn't rested. Uh, I think he bought 41 overs in that second Hampshire and just incredible effort from the guy he's absolutely a uh, special player but um, should we just go around and have our little say on selection for Thursday if we start with you Steve uh, <laughs> I suspect it will be unchanged unless there's an injury which is the obvious caveat I can't see any reason to change it uh, Jack Brooks opened the bowling for the seconds today um, and was quite expensive from what I saw. We bowled them all out for 250, and I think he went for 60-odd in 14 overs. So the only possible option is whether Marchant comes back into the side. Um, so, yeah, I would go I would go unchanged. And uh, as Anthony said, I think it's more interesting out of the, the 496 contracted players Surrey have got, which 11 they put out on the pitch on Thursday morning. Don't yeah, I think I unchanged as well. You know, um, I think having brought Eddie Byron into the side, they've got to they've got to give him a decent decent run. Uh, Lewis Goldsworthy has done enough to justify continued selection, and it looks as if they're they're going with this policy of just going in with uh, four frontline bowlers <laughs> plus mixed Tom Abel and and Tom Lamb, which I'm not sure about. I mean, if if that's the policy, why did they sign March and Delanger in, in in the first place? You know, he's our he's our overseas player. He's got genuine pace. I, I guess a lot depends on what the pitch is like. I suspect there'll be plenty of grass on it, which might help Delanger, you know, who, who hits, hits the middle of the pitch pretty hard. But um, it would it would be fun if if Delanger plays and and Jamie Overton plays, and and <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that'll be proper cricket. That will be the ball will be flying everywhere, you know, off the off off the pitch and off the bat. I, I suspect. <laughs> 
but um, no, I think I think they'll be unchanged. Knowing knowing Jason, he's he's uh, he doesn't go in for a sort of big gambles in his in his uh, selections, and I, I think they've they've set the pattern. They've they've won two games with with, with this side, or effectively with this side, and they'll they'll stick with it. Dan, is Surrey's IPL contingent out of quarantine yet, or have they still got a few days to go? Um, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think they've got a few days to go. Um, I worked out, I think, uh, the quarantine would end, like, just before the game, or maybe during it. So, yeah, I can't see. So, it's the Currens and Roy, isn't it? I can't see them playing. Um, they'd, they'd be straight out and, and into the game. So, that, that <laughs> helps. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so, indeed. I'm with you guys. I think yeah, let's yeah, let's keep that side. It's done really well these last uh, these last two weeks. So uh, let's have a look at listeners' questions that have come through on Twitter. Where have we got here then? Okay, first one in from Lorian Bowler. I wonder if he's a relation of Peter or not. How high could slash should Overton bat for England? Eight. Mm. Eight. Yeah. 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 Agree. There, well, there was some rumblings about him being. There was some rumblings about him being Ben Stokes' replacement if his broken finger. But I think Overton's a better bowler than Ben Stokes. But with all due respect, probably not quite such a good batsman. So I think Stokes he just shades it. Yeah, I agree with you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I think number eight, um, similar. Yeah, sort of Ashley Giles position. I think coming in at number eight because if you've got Butler batting at seven, I don't think you can bat him. Uh, any higher at seven I don't although think... Ian when a certain IT Botham made his England debut in 77 he I think he was first or second change in that England side and batted number eight uh, and he did alright starting at number eight in the England side so that's you true. know that's true and then a certain Moen Alley started at five and then he went to eight and then to two and then to eleven and then to nine and then to three <laughs> I'm not suggesting that uh, Goob was going to be uh, as badly handled by England as uh, as Mo and Ali was, but wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't ruin it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there we go, Laurie. We think uh, Craig's probably a number eight. Um, by can win. Why was Josh Davy not given the new ball during Hampshire's <laughs> second innings after his two earlier wickets? Good question. Well, for the last couple of games, they've been they prefer Lewis Gregory in harness mm. with. With Craig Overson, I don't know quite why. I mean, Lewis, you know, he he, he bowls a fuller length than than Josh Davy. Uh, he swings it probably more than more than Josh Davy. I wouldn't have said as much to choose choose between the two of them. And certainly coming on first change, Josh Davy did very well against uh, against Hampshire. And, and Lewis bowled very well in in the first innings, and he he bowled a really good spell. Um, on the when Hampshire went in on Friday afternoon before tea when he bowled nine overs eight maidens mm. to two runs and he was ever so unlucky he was right on right on the money it was as, as well as I've seen him bowl for a long time is it a preference so thing? I, I, some bowlers just want to maybe just bowl with that new ball with a bit of lacquer just off it do you think that's yeah I mean I, I, was, I was surprised because um, uh, Overton and Davy are the most successful uh, new ball partnership in county cricket this century, in in terms of their their strike rate, as my mate Steve Pittard has been um, working out, and 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 they do complement each other very well as well, because you know Josh is a little bit skiddier, and and Overton is you know 
holding that challenging length and and they bowl they bowl very well together and they particularly last season but I, it doesn't it doesn't bother me really i think you know you can uh, you can pick any two you've got to have craig opening it opening the bowling but whether it's lewis or um, or josh i don't think matters a huge amount I, I suspect Josh Davis. Josh Davies strikes me as a very unassuming, quiet, great team man. So I can't imagine Josh Davies going to be going. I want to open the bowling. I want to open the bowling. You know, you'll bowl uphill into the wind and give us twenty overs, Josh. Yeah, okay. He's to me. He's, he's that sort of guy in a club. You always got one in a club side who will do that job for you. I, what pleases me to answer Mike's question is I think it doesn't matter. Because in the first innings, Lewis took, what was it, four? And in the second innings, Josh took five. So as long as that's happening, you know, Hildy can open the bowling if the other <laughs> two come on and take five wickets each. It doesn't, you know, being flippant for a minute. But I, I suspect there was something they saw in the pitch on each day that they thought it was more Lewis than Josh. I remember in 2019, Lewis was opening the bowling and he was taking wickets for fun. So oh, Terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah, you can almost have any. Like you say you can have any two out of those three, and it it doesn't really matter, does it? Because they're all such high quality performers that you know you can depend on them to do a job. Where if they come opening the bowling or coming on first change, how about to scramble Rory Burns' brain even more and make Mark Church explode in the commentary box we give her? If we open with Tom Abel on Thursday or Friday when we get to have our first bowl, that would be that would really confuse everyone else. <laughs> he's bowling. He's bowling pretty well, is Tom? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, good, good pace and plenty. You know, a way swinger. He's he struggles to get it to go the other way. It's his stop ball is the way swinger, and he just he just needs to be able to bring it back into the right hand. Mm -hmm. Or even get one to hold the line occasionally, in top yeah. of off stump. But... He's he's a little bit predictable. Um, and and because he bowls so many away swingers, it makes it easy for them. You know, when they're taking gold on off stump, they see it coming down, and you know, mm. they're pretty um, pretty secure in in leaving it go. Leaving the the poor old commentator say, and uh, Abel <laughs> runs in and, and bowls outside off stump. <laughs> yeah, so outside off stump through to Steve Davis. You know, Jesus, I've lost. I <laughs> I was almost losing the will to live at, at stages. <laughs> you should have had a word with the tech department, Anthony, and just got them to put it on a loop. You just record it once, snip down the pub, and just keep recording <laughs> it and playing it back. Um, I thought, thank God for Twitter, you know, to give us something else to talk about, because <laughs> there wasn't much going on out on the field of play to talk about. Yeah, it was Especially a very attritional Sunday. The most unlovely cricket stadium in, in the country with, with no bugger there either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it answered your question, Mike. Um, we don't know, but in the end it doesn't really matter because if, if, even if Lewis Gregory does take the new ball, he's probably going to take wickets and he's not going to go for plenty if he does. Yeah. Oh, next one in from David Wyatt. This is a long one. Looks like Craig will be called up to England squad after Gloucester's game. And so miss Hampshire game. Even if we are allowed to play him in games six and seven, we must play a fourth frontline seamer, Marchant Delanger or Jack Brooks, to both stop over bowling him and to a lesser extent Davy and Gregory. And also to give some match practice to Marchant and Jack. So I would leave out Byram, a mistake I feel to play him in the last game. Calm down, Dan. And probably open with Abel and have Bartlett at three, pretty much what they had to do at the Aegeus anyway. Looking forward to listening. 
Well, I think we've answered the first part about able opening. I think we've got more chance of uh, seeing pigs flying amongst the floodlights at the Cooper Associates County Ground on Thursday than uh, Tom Abel striding out at uh, a couple of minutes to 11 with Tom Lamanby. Um But rotation and rest of the fast bowlers. Uh, you mentioned yeah. earlier, Steve, that Jackson's not had a great season in the twos. Marchant, I guess, would be the next one to come in. But Anthony's well, we've got old Ned Leonard. Old Ned Leonard, and I don't. And um, and you can correct me on the pronunciation. Aristides Carvelas, who people who've been watching on the stream today have been saying looks pretty sharp and bowled very well again today. So, He's, is, he I, I, is he our player, or is he one that we yes. kind of loaned in from Kent? Because I look at his uh, quick info. I believe he's our player and he also comes up as English although he's played all this cricket in South Africa up to this point so I'm not sure because the second but, 11 competition but, at the moment is a bit of a merry-go-round isn't it you've got players mm -hmm. turning out for half a dozen different sides and you know, they're playing with each other one week and against each other the next week so if he's definitely our player and you say he's sharp and he's got five wickets that's music to my ears well he's got to be marching for goodness sake yes knows yeah. how much we're paying him as our, as our <laughs> overseas player, you know, he's a, you know, he should be our, our, our secret weapon. And Jack Brooks, lovely bloke though he is, I'm afraid he's past his best. Mm. You know, I think what David's also concerned about, I think what David's also concerned about is the phone call from ECB Towers to Jason and Andy just saying, yeah, we're happy for Craig to play, but he can only bowl 15 overs in a day or 20 overs in an innings or something mm. as well, which we all suspect happens. Mm. But Jason Kerr said, I think it was after the Middlesex game, clearly trying to get his retaliation in first. Craig Overton is one of those old-fashioned fast bowlers who thrives on work and just wants yeah. to bowl and bowl and bowl. So to me... To me, the best way to make Craig Overton at his best if England wants him is to keep bowling him, not wrap him up in cotton wool. But will they see that he bowled 40 overs in that second innings and you know be on the phone and say, oh, can you give him a rest or not bowling much? Because he's on, he's on one of these pace bowling contracts, isn't he, I think, Craig? He's still on it, I mm -hmm. think, isn't he? Yeah, because they, hopefully they'll see that you know, he's got, Craig's got two more games in the Championship, but then he will have a week off. Um, the, the, week, yep. the week's done on the 24th, so Hopefully they'll be happy enough with that. He can have a week off, and then it'll be fresh going into the Test match if he if he plays it. Starts on the second uh, of June. Yeah, they, they're entering a bubble. I think. Um, I think I read on uh, George De Bell's match report for the Warwickshire game yesterday. They're entering the bubble on the twenty eighth of May, apparently. So that's that's during our week where we don't have any matches. So hopefully Craig will be available for the next two, and particularly given that you know we all want to see oh, oh, we all want to see Overton versus Overton um, this week uh, in the Surrey game. And then obviously the week after is our massive game at Bristol that um, we, we really we love to win because obviously if Gloucestershire go through with us into Division One, then you know, we carry the we carry forward half the points we got against them. So we really need to try and win this one because we we won't carry forward much from the Taunton game. I'm not sure Mr. and Mrs. Overton are going to be terribly looking forward. I'd like to see a web get them to set up a webcam get the Insto webcam in their front room for watching that because I think they probably might well be watching it with their sort of hands across their face or something at certain points but uh, no we, it's something I think the one thing we all look forward to when we were very sad about Jamie going was well can't wait to see him it's just again a shame we can't be there to see it 
live because that would be pretty special i think the crowd would be amazing wouldn't it if that Absolutely. if that was unfolding on the first day or second day well hopefully when sorry come to uh, come to um sorry when we go to the oval there will be a crowd and the 11th of july crowd and, and people can go up there and you know because that's what when is that early july isn't it yeah 11th of july that one is yeah, yeah. That's also on a Sunday as well. So. Yeah, so that's the final. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the final group game as well. So there's hope. Hopefully, there's nothing riding on it, and we've already qualified with uh, with a game to spare. But uh, no, in this Somerset team, they do like to leave things till the uh, proverbial last minute. Um, I was thinking about this. I don't. I wouldn't have thought Craig and Jamie would have played against each other in a competitive game at, at any level because it would have been North Devon Colts, Devon, and then Somerset. So I, I Wasn't it? I. I read somewhere that they did play against each other in an England warm-up game recently. It was like Josh Butler's 11 versus Owen Morgan's 11. Something like that, I think. I think that was like the only example this article gave. So, yeah, you're right. They've barely ever played against each other. Except the back garden, I assume. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I, really hope, I really hope the selectors don't let us down and we uh, we get to see Obert versus Obert at some stage oh, on Thursday. Sure. I'm, sure. I'm sure we will. In whatever combination it... it uh, uh, it transpires as but I one thing I don't hope is that Jamie so, all of a sudden finds his form on the return to the Cooper Associates County Ground uh, it would make a lot of sense wouldn't it he's not really you know made much of an impression yet but a return to Taunton a ground he knows you know it, it would just be fate wouldn't it if that's his first fight for Sarri or something he'll be absolutely desperate to do well and he'll probably try too hard that, that that's that's the problem, I think, which he tends tends to do anyway. He's playing for his place in the Surrey side at the moment. He hasn't had a great season. But, he uh, opened yeah. the bowling for them. Not that that was much of a privilege yet. I keep calling it Grace Road, Anthony, because I can't bring myself to say the Upton Steel Ganging Ground. But he did open the bowling on that road that they prepared up there last week. So mm. um, at least he's getting what he wanted from going to Surrey by opening the bowling. Which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't every time, which I found interesting. No, no, but, that's the first time, I yeah. think, Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that, yeah, I think so, yeah. It's be interesting to see how much he does it um, for the rest of the season. Because be I always thought he was more of a, you know, they, you know, sorry, we've got players like Ricky Clark, Kimar Roach, who, you know, who, who you think of more suited to opening bowling. And I always thought Jamie thrived on being a first change bowler, coming on after the openers have done some damage. You know, it's in, it'd be interesting to see how he goes, you know, if he does open the bowling quite a lot. See, um, see how successful he is because it's a different role for him. It's, it's a role he wants. He, yes, exactly. He sees himself opening the bowling and batting at number six. Ambitious. Yeah, yeah. He lacks nothing in ambition. Absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't try and stand in his way if I was a coach. I tell you, well, I'd yeah, say, no, you find <laughs> bat five, Jamie. Bat five and bowl from both ends for a while, mate. You go. Exactly. You go. It depends. It depends if he's got a bowl at me in the nets or not. If, he, if he's if he's co if I'm coach, I'd be quite happy saying no to him. If I'm captain and I've got to face him in the nets uh, for half an hour one uh, one morning and he's got a bowl at bowl at my head off eighteen yards, possibly might give him his own way then. But um, I do agree with you, Dan. I think he's. He's that impact change bowler. He's not, for the best one of the world, I don't see him being an opening bowler, pitching it up, trying to trying to find the edge. He's uh, that horrible word they had for Stuart Broad a few years ago, the enforcer. Oh, don't. <laughs> right, I think that's us done for our Twitter questions. Only had the, uh, those couple in today. Um, right, do we have any other business before we knock it on the head and look forward to Thursday? 
Yeah, forward to Thursday. It's another big game. They're all big games, aren't they? I was just going to mention um, Somerset women had their next. Uh, they had, they played two matches yesterday and they won them both, which is good. Uh, they're top of their group. Uh, it's the West Midlands group, which they're uh, inexplicably in. Yes, yeah, Sophie Luff made runs again and they brought Berkshire out for 54 and 65. So it wasn't particularly competitive. Um, they've got two games next week against Worcestershire. Um, if they win them both, they'll win the West Midlands group. Uh, sadly, there's no um, there's no overall winner in the country, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, I look forward to uh, following that on the uh, scorecard. Uh, unless there's a stream, you never know. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing I was going to mention was the TV games were announced today. I don't know if you saw for the blast. Mm-hmm. So we've got two televised matches. Um, away to Kent and home to Glamorgan and they absolutely adore showing <laughs> Somerset versus Kent at Canterbury in T20 yeah. cricket I'm not sure why every time yeah I know exactly every, yeah. since 2014 they showed us uh, at Canterbury in T20 cricket every year except 20, 2016 but yeah we've lost every single one of them and mm. uh, probably won't change this year and they also like showing us against Glamorgan as well they've, they've showed us against them a few times not as much but uh yeah, that's what they've chosen once again. And not Gloucestershire, which is a shame. They've not showed us play Gloucestershire in uh, when 2016 was the last time they showed us in against Gloucestershire in any format. That was a 50-over game. And 2015 was the last time they showed us in the T20. It's almost like they think that Glamorgan are our rivals and not Gloucestershire. <laughs> they, it's very odd. They just don't put that game on. They always show the Roses game. They always show the London derby, home and away every season, both the matches every season. They never do our game, which is... Uh, Bit frustrating. Probably just, probably just as well because we always lose to Gloucestershire as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, the 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 last time we beat Gloucester at Bristol in a T20 was when it was on TV. The last time it was on TV that was 2015. <laughs> so bring it back, please. Not sure how you remember all this down, but you've got it written down. Oh, I just know. <laughs> as far as like the less T20 games that are on TV, the better, because that means we get the live stream with uh, Steve Snell and Charlie Taylor. And how's that trad nation uh, trade nation? Mm. Careful, careful. Lot. We have the we have. I <laughs> spent ages trying to sync the radio commentary to the TV pictures last year. No disrespect to Charlie and Steve Snell, but I, I can't. I, I, I'm so nuanced in Anthony's commentary now. I can look away from the screen and know what's going on. You see, I haven't got to get that level with the others yet. Unfortunately, BBC Radio Somerset don't quite have the generosity of giveaways that that Trade Nation seem to. They seem to. Be giving away iPads and, and, and replica shirts every, every game that we play. So I believe uh, I just should say I think they also sponsor Essex in the same way. Yeah, I, I need to fact check that. By yeah, but, yeah, they do. So that's that's Middlesex. Middlesex have got their own live stream for county championship matches as well, mm. paid for by the bloke who um, who who um, does the commentary and everything. It's quite. It's going to become quite an issue. How long cricket commentary will continue on the BBC? I don't know. We'll see. Let's hope it's for a long time yet, Anthony, because uh, the standard of some of the live streams isn't quite up to much. Um, Yeah, sponsoring Somerset and Essex, that's a bit like when... Who was it sponsored Rangers and Celtic? Tenants, I believe. I thought it was Carling or one of the cable companies... One of the cable TV companies before Virgin, I think it was. I okay. think it backfired massively on them because Rangers fans didn't buy it because it was on Celtic shirts and Celtic fans didn't buy it because <laughs> it went on Rangers shirts. 
<laughs> so they uh, they decided to knock it on the head after a season. I might be making yeah, that up. And, and, and NTL, no, you're right. I just Googled this. And NTL, cable television company, they sponsored right. in 1999, I think. Good nerdy knowledge, Mr. Shepherd. Well done. Sorry, Steve? That's a good nerdy knowledge, Mr. Shepherd. Oh, sorry. Right. Can I just say... Can I just say two very quick things? One, Anthony, I think you're going to be living in the north in September because it looks like Yorkshire and Lancashire are home in hose virtually in that group. And Knots all of a sudden have gone top in their group. And the next three are Warwickshire, Worcester and Durham. And then there's some other southeastern minor county with only 52 points at the moment. But my last very quick thing, my absolute favourite moment of the season, which... I'm chuffed to bits because Craig Overton liked my tweet, so it must have a truth in it. The dismissal of Tom Allsop on Friday evening. If you haven't watched it, watch it back and don't watch the bowler, don't watch the batsman, watch Steve Davis and Lewis Gregory at keeper and second slip. And when the ball goes in the air, Davis turns to Gregory and points at him with the biggest smile on his face. And they are just hugging each other like two kids who've found a, a sweet shop that's open and no one in there or something and I was having a Twitter conversation with somebody and said I think they must have hatched a plan in the slips for all sop and it came off and Craig liked that tweet so if you haven't just run to the end of the highlights of Friday and watch it it's just that as a Somerset supporter it's just the happiest moment of the year just brilliant I've seen it yeah there's no better feeling than when, when you just notice something about a batsman you move somebody Oh, you bowl it a bit short and it, and it gets the ball out. wasn't even halfway back to Josh Davy, and the two of them were jumping and, and hugging each other they did look like goodies cookies which was the wicket where Tom Abel looked like a firework had gone off up his arse it was he absolutely punched the air he leapt about six foot off the ground punching the air I think it might have been the sixth or seventh wicket on Sunday Right, yeah, I didn't, second didn't, session, I think. Big yeah, one was one of those. Two. It, was, it was one of the big ones, possibly Cheaty McCheatface. I think it might have been. <laughs> might, are we allowed to call him that? Are we going to get no. sued? You are. Can we not call Cheaty McCheatface <laughs> Cheaty McCheatface? Well, he's a cheat. He cheated. I very, I very carefully avoided reference to it. You were very good. Very good. Oh, I, I was... like Kevin James too much. I thought you were very kind to him. <laughs> I like him. If I was you, Gib, I, I couldn't have resisted just going, well, if Somerset are having this trouble getting Manus out, why doesn't Steve Davis just walk up and punch the stumps over? Yeah, yeah. Spoken as a true club wicketkeeper. <laughs> Absolutely. Shall we leave, I'm honest as a day is long, Governor. All right. Shall we leave it there, gents? We'll yeah, reconvene yeah, at our usual Tuesday uh, slot next week. Uh, but for Steve, uh, Anthony, and Dan, all the best. Uh, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, we're at Somerset Podcast, the Somerset Podcast at gmail.com, and we're on Facebook and other bits and bobs as well. Uh, but we'll uh, catch you next time. <laughs>